you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Live podcast. I'm back, guys. Welcome back, buddy. Thanks, everybody. It's me, your man, MG Marks Grant, alongside the Fantasy Hall of Famer, Michael Fabiano, and the one and only Graham Barfield. It's nice to be here again, guys. uh... Is it really? I mean, last week you were on a cruise ship. You are probably drinking Mai Tais, having fun, and now you're back at work. Yeah. I, I was just trying to make it sound good. Yeah. Yeah, but, but Graham and I didn't buy it for a second. I'm sure. But we're glad to have you back. Thanks. It's good to be back, man. We got plenty to talk about, of course. Uh, we will actually have two shows this week. So just for you guys who are out there, we will have two shows. We will have a second one that comes out on Wednesday. So you can, uh, you know, annoy when, when you're when you're done talking with friends and family, you can like you know, lock yourself in a room and listen to our podcast and get ready for the rest of the week. Uh, so we will get back to you on Wednesday. But we got plenty to talk about. Uh, we'll kind of look back on some of the things that happened in week 11. We'll talk about some trade targets because the trade deadline in a lot of leagues hit this week, so we'll give you some guys maybe to target or to uh, target getting rid of. And, of course, uh, the waiver wire and your Monday moaning. But before we get into all of that, go behind the glass and talk to the one and only Sir Edward L. Murphy, Esquire. Murph, what's up? Uh, it's good to have the regular Monday crew back. Uh, last week was a star-studded week with Maurice Jones, Drew, Jerry Cantrell here. But uh, like, like thanks for before. leaving my name off of that list. You're always here. I am not a star. You're either. part of yeah. Well, the the guest, the star guest list. That was fun. It was a lot of fun it was week. A lot of fun. Uh, probably still not as much fun as Marcus had though. <laughs> I know. So like, tell us about like. I mean, I think we're all just jealous. Your, your best friend just best decides fr- to so get married on a got, cruise ship. Well, it wasn't. Admittedly, I don't know that it was 100 percent his decision. His wife loves cruises. Uh, his wife and her family, they love cruises. They've been on a million of them, apparently. Congratulations, by the way. Yeah, man. Congratulations, B. Um, yeah, so they decided to get married on a boat, uh, which is great. The wedding actually took place. We were still sitting in Long Beach Harbor when the actual wedding happened, okay. and then we sailed out to sea. Um, I would say the one thing that confused me, the one thing that I wish I had paid attention to, but I was too busy, you know, throwing back Miller Lights. Um, <laughs> so the boat leaves Long Beach. It left Long Beach at like 6.30 in the evening on Sunday. And... Our first stop was at Catalina Island. Now, for those of you who don't live in the L.A. area or for those of you who do and have never been to Catalina, the ferry boat ride from Long Beach to Catalina takes like 45 minutes, right? 45 minutes, an hour maybe if things are running a little bit weird. Um, For whatever reason, we left Long Beach Harbor at 630 at night and didn't get to Catalina until 7 o'clock in the morning. So I want to know what we did for those 12 hours. Do you not remember? I wasn't looking. I was inside. I was on the boat. I wasn't, like, paying attention. You know, whatever. Go two miles per hour? I guess. Like, I don't know if, like, we just, somebody, like, rode the actual cruise ship to to Catalina. I have no idea. But for whatever reason, it took us, like, 12 hours to get to to Catalina. Man, that's uh, a, I mean, you're engaged. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, I mean, I'm just trying to think of my fiance that's a nice on a boat idea. trying to get married, and that would not go well. No. Yeah, She'd I, get seasick in about <laughs> half a second. The last time I was on a boat, it was a whale watch in San Diego, and I spent the entire trip throwing up. Mm, so I paid, like, whatever it was for myself and my girlfriend. I paid to throw up for three you hours. You didn't get the little patch that goes behind no, the Because I had or? gone on one in Marina del Rey, like, a month earlier, and right. I was fine. Uh, and so I'm thinking, I'm I'm good. No. I did once have a terrible no. boat ride to Catalina. It was one of the worst 45 minutes I've ever had in my life. So Even that boat ride made you? Because the, the, well, the whale watch, like, you're bouncing around sometimes when the oceans are a little rough. I went on a day. This was in college. I went on a day where it was particularly windy, and the surf was really, really choppy. Oh. And we took – we didn't take a, a regular ferry boat. It was like some – Fishy, like the SS Minnow, basically, that we took over <laughs> to Catalina. It was like awful. It was me, a couple of friends from college, and then we were on a boat with like 25 high school students for some oceanography class or whatever, and like everybody yacked, including the teacher from the high school, like just like oh, yacked. Um, I was the only one, I was one of the few who didn't because I learned pro tip. If you're on a boat and you feel seasick, f- stare at a fixed point. Yep. I spent an hour staring dead at Catalina Island. I didn't look to the side. Here's the thing, though. Right. When I was on my boat, 
I was looking at a fixed object. There was the toilet, and I did not <laughs> stop throwing up. No, you got to look at the horizon line. That's what right. that's you, the need, you, you got to look at the horizon line. Horizon. I was afraid to go out. There. So I yeah. stared. I stared at Catalina for bad. for an hour. It was it was, it was miserable. Uh, all right, plenty of boat talk. Uh, <laughs> did not expect this. Did not expect boat talk on my return. Anyway, uh, let's do some news. Let's the news. All right, we will start with some uh, awful news in Washington. Alex Smith suffered a broken leg in the team's loss on Sunday. Uh, certainly is done for the season, and you know you start to wonder whether or not this is the last time we've seen Alex Smith uh, play NFL football after it has been a long and relatively successful career for a guy who was once upon a time the number one overall pick. Uh, obviously, this year has not been a great year for Alex Smith from a fantasy perspective, but you saw on Twitter plenty of people sending out well wishes uh, all across the league and, and just giving their tributes and their love to Alex Smith. But uh, for our purposes, that means Colt McCoy is the starting quarterback in Washington. The team went out and signed Mark Sanchez to a deal to make him the backup. So Mark Sanchez is back in the league, which, by the way, that means there are, there are literally five U.S. USC quarterbacks in the league. Don't ask me how, but Matt Barkley, Matt Castle, Mark Sanchez, Cody Kessler, Sam Darnold are all collecting NFL paychecks right now. Whatever. Uh, but McCoy is back. Would you, either of you, Spend a roster spot or a waiver wire claim on Colt McCoy. Right so here's now. the thing. As as the resident Cowboys fan, it will be such a Cowboys thing to do after winning two straight games against teams you were not supposed to beat to go home on Thanksgiving against the Redskins and lose to Colt McCoy. It would be the most <laughs> Cowboys thing to do. Am I picking Colt McCoy up? I mean, no. But if he has a big game, I wouldn't be surprised just because – I've suffered through a lot of these Cowboys games. So um, the, the thing is, you know, and Graham, I know you'll agree, the quarterback position is so deep. And if there's a quarterback that I'm targeting off the waiver wire right now, it's the dude in Baltimore, although he should be picked up already if you're in a competitive league. But that's the guy you go after. It's kind of blowing my mind that Dallas could win this division. Actually, right? they're probably the favorites. To it might be the no, favorites. No, we're right. now. Stop. Don't it, put that out there. I mean, we were talking right two weeks ago Don't about how the it. Cowboys were dead, and now they're five and five. They're five and five. One game back from Washington. Right. Washington's falling apart. Washington. Eagles are falling but apart. But we have to. We have to win this one because then we play the Saints, and they're gonna they're gonna destroy us. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah it's kind of wild. So who knows? But uh, so Colt McCoy is there. I guess the other big question though, because uh, look, you're right. The quarterback position is deep, so there's not going to be a lot of people battling to go get Colt McCoy. What does this mean? for Adrian Peterson now because look, the offensive line is beat up. Uh, they've got a backup quarterback now starting. He's kind of been the one thing that's been moving this offense for them. Now I think you got to be a little bit concerned about him. Yeah, I was concerned about him this week, and he was a sit for me for three straight weeks. The first two weeks worked out well. This last week. Not well, he had two, t- I mean, he had yeah, a he had of two touchdowns, but right. yeah, just 51 yards on 16 carries. T- he's uh, a volume carries. play. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. what he is at this point. I agree. I mean, he's basically just you're you're going to get spiked weeks when Washington wins. And unfortunately, yep. the rest of their schedule, they play Dallas, Philly and the Giants, all three in division the next three weeks. Uh, yeah. Tough. And you got to think, too, like the Redskins, they're down their their number one quarterback. You know, they've already Richardson's already out for the season. James more importantly, Crowder, they've lost three offensive line. Right. right. When was the last time Jameson Crowder was on the gridiron? It's been a while. I forgot about him. And how about Chris Thompson? I mean, these guys like I forgot. I mean, they were things. their offense is so riddled with injuries. And Jordan Reed's the only guy who stayed healthy. Go figure. Hey, he finally did something on Sunday. I know. Who would have thought? And now everyone's going to start him against Dallas because uh, of course. McCoy. Uh, on Johnson left the game on Sunday with a knee injury. The good news for the Lions and for Johnson, it is not an ACL tear, which was the initial fear. Uh, instead, it looks like it's going to be a sprained knee. He is considered weak to weak, so that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, Theo Riddick did not do much of anything. We thought maybe he would have a game last week. That didn't happen. But Garrett Blunt is likely to see a whole lot of opportunity here. Do either of you want to take a chance uh, rolling that roulette, roulette wheel on Garrett Blunt right now? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, there, was a, there was a specific play yesterday where they ran a pitch to the left. I mean, it was blocked perfectly. Mm-hmm. And LeGarrette Blunt looked like he was moving in quicksand. Like, he just can't <laughs> move laterally anymore. And, I mean, at this point, I mean, it's really just Theo Riddick, Kenny G., you kind of roll uh, roll with your punches with the lines, I guess. Yeah. I, I mean, mean the, knee, the the knee issue for Johnson is concerning, especially since it's a week to week variety at this point of the year. I, I mean, we're, we're getting into the 
it's real close. Right. And these week to week knee injuries for running backs, knees and hammies are just they're no good. Yeah, and boy, he was he was rolling too. He looked good, and unfortunately, now you're going to lose him for the uh, uh, for the foreseeable future. I think Blunt's worth picking up off the waiver wire, depending on what your needs are. Uh, some of us have Alex Collins, and we'll talk about him a little bit <laughs> later on. But um, Legarrette Blunt, at least he's going to see some volume if they get down near the goal line. He'll get the ball, but it, it look, is it is an absolute look, dart throw. Legarrette Blunt's last twenty one carries have gained sixteen yards. That's not good. <laughs> not good. I mean, if you like, if you, I said desperation dart throw. I, I guess the only thing we have to save us here would be a short touchdown. So that would that would be good. So next up for the Lions, they host the Bears. Bears. Um, that is on Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. um, and the Bears literally just. They bottled up. I'd say bottled up Dalvin Cook. That's an understatement for what they did. They suffocated that entire offense. They suffocated everybody there. So there's that. The next two games, Rams and Cardinals, which in theory are decent matchups for the running game. The other concern I'd say with Kerryon Johnson is that right now the Lions are four and six. Uh, they are quickly falling out of the playoff race. They are the, they are last in the division uh, in the NFC North, and you wonder if this thing lingers too long and they fall out of playoff contention, what's their rush to bring him back? That's my concern, too. And, I mean, the Lions have lost three of their last four. Frankly, they probably should have lost against Carolina last night. Cam had a wide-open receiver on that two-point conversion. Why he didn't missing. run it to me? Is it, or- Look, he, he, <laughs> he had one-on-one coverage. He was open, and he also could have scrambled. It was just kind of a bizarre two-point right. conversion. What's there, crazy so, is that the Lions have beaten the Packers, the Panthers, and the Patriots this season, and their team is bad. So apparently they can beat teams that begin with P. Yes. <laughs> but right, I think, exactly. I think they're out of those now. I don't think, I don't think there are any left uh, in the league at this point. Uh, so the Bucks have made yet another change. I told you. At least they made a change yesterday at quarterback. They bench Ryan Fitzpatrick for Jameis Winston after Fitz threw three picks. Not that Jameis was, I mean, he, he had better numbers, but he came in. He also threw a pick because that's what Jameis Winston does. So here we go. We're into, we're heading into week 12. The Buccaneers have rotated quarterbacks. They've rotated play callers. Do we even bother with a Bucks quarterback now? I mean, matchups be damned. Do we even bother? This is what I said last week when JC was in studio. And, dude, you like Fitzpatrick was always one or two picks, or in this case, I think three, away from being yanked. And then people on Twitter, oh, the injury, 20 million guarantee. They're not going to put Winston in. Come on, dude. Dirk Cutter doesn't want to lose his job. He's going to lose his and job. And if his quarterback is throwing three picks in the first half, I mean, dude, you have to pull him. The thing is, Winston and Fitzpatrick are the same quarterback, except for one guy's younger and the other dude's older and has a big bushy beard. They're the same dude. They could throw for a lot of yards, but they're always a risk to give you three or four turnovers. Yeah. And so, but it's ridiculous. Mike Clay from ESPN, one of my pals, he tweeted something out today where the combination of the Buccaneers quarterbacks this season has actually scored more fantasy points than Drew Brees. Yeah. Is that insane? They've they've combined to throw 23 picks in their third among all quarterbacks behind Mahomes and just maybe maybe Mike Clay's using a different scoring system, but they're right behind Breeze. Insane. Yeah. Unreal. I'm going to go back to Winston. And, <laughs> and here's why. I mean, I like passing yards and I like passing touchdowns. And they got the Niners this week. And exactly. The 49ers yeah. have allowed a 21 to 2 touchdown interception ratio. Mm-hmm. Winston's under center. You kind of just have to click the button, put him in your lineup, and just hope he doesn't get benched because the ceiling is so large with this offense. Yeah, I mean, the ceiling is really large with this offense. I mean... And it's, it's just so frustrating because every week we go through this, like, merry-go-round and well, nothing the, ever seemingly gets resolved on the, a, like, the, the weekly basis. Jameis is that you really just... You just have to... Just pencil in at least one pick, right? Like, that... that you just have to go in expecting you're going to get at least a minus two somewhere. I'm looking at this year, like... Oh my goodness! I'm looking at the numbers. He has 11, 11 interceptions and eight touchdowns. It it makes my head hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just life with Jameis Winston. And and you know, good luck. I guess the good news is though, even through all of that yesterday, Mike Evans still found a way to have a good game. Um, Peyton Barber had a sneaky good game too as well. Yeah, um, really, really played I, well. I don't know. I tweeted the you know, Peyton Barber is like that extra slice of pie. Like it looks good. You look at it and you're like, hmm, this looks interesting. And then you get it and you're like, oh, I just feel ill. And that's that's sort of how that works. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks, Marcus Mariota injured his elbow during the Titans' loss to the Colts. The good news is apparently it's just a stinger. 
not expected to be serious. So hopefully uh, this means we don't have to speak the name of Blaine Gabbert out loud because nobody wants that. You right guys now. see that pick he threw? I mean, he he didn't even see the underneath. Line. Oh, no. He I mean, he, he was right, the linebacker is clearly right in front of his so face. He ran a great route. So, <laughs> you know, to his credit, you deserve to get a, you deserve to get a target when you do that. So, uh, yeah, so hopefully we don't have to worry about Blaine Gabbert. Hopefully Mariota is able to come back. Uh, the other concern is that it's it's not serious, hopefully, because the last time they ran Mariota out when he was less than 100%, uh, we saw a string of really bad performances. So uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that one as it goes along. All right. That's uh, pretty much everything you need to know. That was the news. All right, looking back at what was week 11, I came up with uh, four questions, things that uh, caught my eye that I felt like worth discussing for uh, today. The first one, obviously, and you sort of mentioned it, uh, Fab, talking about quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson. I mean, that was the that was the marquee event of Sunday, uh, not, not considering, well, considering the Eagles and Saints turned out to be a flop. Uh, the marquee event of Sunday was Lamar Jackson making his debut as a starter and, I don't know, putting up some okay numbers. He had over 100 yards rushing. Uh, what, 25 carries, I believe it was? 27 carries. The second most carries by a quarterback in the history of the NFL. It was 1950. Some guy named Joe Gary. Yeah, you know Joe Gary. Who was a running back slash quarterback. Yeah, you, know, you don't remember Joe Gary? Probably 1950 for the, I believe... Pittsburgh Steelers. Probably ran their wishbone or something. Right, exactly. Like right. He probably threw <laughs> right. the ball like seven times all year. So, um, but yeah, so 117 rushing yards. He uh, threw for what, 150 yards. Um, at the pick, which which kept him, he was under 16. He would have had a little bit more had he not thrown. So that he had what, about eight, about 18 or so without the interception. Um, Graham, thoughts? I mean, it, it, on one hand, the, the rushing is super exciting, but you can't count on 117 yards every week. Yeah, but then they play Oakland next Yeah, I know. Week. <laughs> I mean, in theory, Oakland will try to commit a spy in the middle of the field to keep Lamar Jackson at least contained in the pocket. But right. I, I mean, it's still the slowest defense in the NFL. I, I'm fine with going back to Jackson as a QB2 streamer. Uh, Next Gen Stats pulled some great data on his first start. Jackson actually reached 15-plus miles per hour on 14 of his rush attempts last week. No other player has hit 15-plus miles per hour on more than nine of his rush attempts in a single game this year. Jackson is just – I mean, he's a freak, dude. He's Um, he's awesome. I'm kind of still blown away. The Ravens ran the ball 74% of the time. So much. In the modern NFL, we just don't see offenses like this. Um, But the same token, I mean – the Raiders are next. He gets the Falcons in their front seven. That's incredibly banged up in week 13. I think Jackson's, I mean, he'll be, he'll be the hashtag Konami code. Shout out to, <laughs> to Rich Rebar of Roto World. And you just kind of bank your, your QB2 rushing numbers. What's crazy is that the Ravens had actually averaged 44 pass attempts a game yeah, going just into this week. Well, and they completely enough. switched their offense. Lamar Jackson and Jim I know. Flacco. Are, you couldn't get more opposite, I think, at, at the quarterback's spot. Agreed. And Flacco and Agreed. Lamar Jackson. Yep. So then because of that, right, because obviously this looks like it's going to be a more run-heavy offense now with Lamar Jackson there. What are we yep. What are we doing That's, with, you know, the John Browns and the Michael Crabtrees? I, I, I know, mean, like man. How much, I mean, John Brown had one target, uh, one catch for 23 yards. I think they gave him a carry, which went for zero yards. I mean, like, yep. suddenly this guy, I mean, John Brown's been a guy who's been a big help on a lot of rosters for much of the season. Now, all of a sudden, like, his his value seems to have evaporated, like, overnight. Yeah, and Crabtree, I mean, that guy, he was a sit-in for me last week. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be touching him. Um, but it all depends on what kind of depth you have at wide receiver. If you were lucky enough to grab a Traquan Smith, for example, maybe an Anthony Miller, then – it's going to be time to put John Brown on the bench because if this is the Ravens offense that we're going to see from here on in, you are not going to see much passing efficiency. You're not going to see much passing production and you're not going to see much fantasy value in any pass catcher in a Baltimore uniform. The only the only saving grace could potentially be if they get a red zone uh, opportunity because the yardage is not going to be there in this offense the way that we saw it run yesterday. I mean, so we saw that the targets when they were there, which, you know, they didn't throw the ball a ton. Uh, we saw Willie Sneed get uh, eight targets, four targets for Nick Boyle. So 
I guess if you're looking for a Baltimore pass catcher, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for those guys who are kind of running those intermediate routes right now. And John Brown is a downfield threat, just doesn't seem yep. to be in the cards. Right. They, yeah, they condensed this pass offense. A lot of it was just over the middle reads where Jackson could clearly isolate one-on-one mm-hmm. um, -on -one defenders. So, yeah, I mean, I don't foresee them taking many, like, deep play action shots, shots oh. to John Brown. This isn't going to be a Michael Crabtree eight, you know, eight, nine target offense. They're going to run the hell out of the ball. Yeah, and that's where Lamar Jackson has to improve because what were the comparisons coming out of college? Mike Vick. Right. Mike Vick had cannon but, arm, and that guy would throw the football deep. You know, you remember the, the great plays that he made with Deshaun Jackson back in their time together in Philadelphia. I, I do wonder so, if they're going to open it up a little bit because Lamar can spin it deep a little bit. He that, can. He did at Louisville. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think right now – I just don't know that they have a a great level of trust in him to get the ball downfield. But I don't I don't think it's about ability. I think it's just about their confidence in in him being able to do that. But okay, so since they are running the football more, Ugh. so that brings me to my next question: Ugh. Is Alex Collins droppable? Oh. So he's definitely, I think he's definitely bench fodder at this point. But so like, is he droppable after I, yesterday? So going into the week, I you know look ahead to the schedules and the Ravens running backs have like one of the easiest schedules the rest of the season. So I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to put in a couple of trade offers to get Alex Collins. And I landed him in two leagues and he wasn't like the, the gem of the deals, but, um, but I did get him in a couple of leagues and then I'm watching the game and this guy, Gus Edwards starts playing. I said, who the heck is Gus Edwards? I mean, have you guys ever heard of him before? I had heard of him. I just, unfortunately had heard of him. I, 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 I'd seen, <laughs> I had seen Ravens fans and beat writers kind of tweet about him yeah, here and there. I, I had, he had like a 10-carry, I think he had a 10-carry game earlier in the year, kind of a garbage time. I believe right. he had right. either 14 or 16 touches the entire season. But it was, a lot of it was coming in garbage time. or Going something. into the week. So they also had Ty Montgomery active. You've got Buck Allen in the mix there. Alex Collins is still there. And now you're looking at Gus Edwards who was what, an undrafted rookie out of Rutgers. Um, I think he signed like for $6,000 and then ended up getting cut, then was on the practice squad, then ended up making the, uh, the big club. And he's going to end up being one of the two or three biggest pickups in fantasy football. And we mentioned that they're playing the Raiders, so the matchup is there. But is Gus Edwards all of a sudden a featured back for the Ravens? Well... I mean, what we saw yesterday seemed to indicate that that was the direction. That and but, and what, what uh, John Harbaugh had to say after the game where he basically praised the running style of Gus Edwards. Unreal. That's sort of the thing that we're looking for. Uh, it, just, you know, it just seemed to be a subtweet at it, Alex Collins and kind of what he was doing. Is, is Gus Edwards the 2018 version of Alex Collins? <laughs> I mean, like... Alex Collins be. was a league winner in the second half of last season, and all of a sudden, Gus Edwards is. I, I mean, I do wonder if Baltimore is just getting frustrated with 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 Alex Collins's production because this year, I mean, Collins's yards per carry average is down a full yard. Mm -hmm. Last year, he averaged four point six yards per carry. This year, it's all the way down at three point six. Um, his success rate is near the bottom of the league. He's at forty five percent. You know, I, I just I think they've maybe grown frustrated with his overall efficiency, and that's why they went with a hot hand situation against the Bengals. And also keep in mind, I mean, he was the, the Seahawks basically threw him away. I mean, so I, I also feel like, you know, so you know how you watch a movie, like you, you watch The Sixth Sense, right? And the first time we saw The Sixth Sense, awesome. we were all shocked by the ending. And you go back and you watch it again. You're like, there's so many little clues here, right? They're like, how did I not see this? Mm -hmm. Looking back now at what's happened, like. There are all these weeks that we kept seeing all this Buck Allen, right? We're like, why are they running Buck Allen? Why is he getting all these touches? We're like, this is nuts, right? But maybe that was, you know, John Harbaugh sort of planting the seed of, look, we want to find somebody because we don't want to lean on Alex Collins. And right now, if they believe Gus Edwards is that guy, then suddenly it's easier to kind of fade Collins on a weekly basis. So may maybe this was already, maybe this was always in the works and we just, we just didn't want to believe it. Uh, I'm just so, I'm just so bummed out about this because... I really thought I was going to be in good shape with Collins. I think a lot of people did do because you look at the schedule and you're like, oh, man, th this lines up perfectly for Collins to be a guy that you can lean on as an RB2 or flex down the stretch. And now, I mean, you know, when I do my rankings for this week, who's my number one running back going to be? Well, in Baltimore, it's going to be it's probably going to be Gus. Edwards. It's going to be Gus Edwards. You know, it's crazy. Gus freaking Edwards is, is Alex Collins has 114 carries this year. Three of those have gone for 15 or more yards. 
Gus Edwards, I believe now has like what, 28 on the year. And he's has also has three carries. More years. I mean, Alex Collins has just been inefficient this year. And he I really think, has. I think that's the biggest thing here is Baltimore is looking for some semblance of foundation within their rushing offense. And it'll especially be so with Lamar Jackson, if they continue to go just, this run. Heavy. I think what was so hard about it was no one saw it coming. Yeah. I mean, no one no. saw it coming. Yeah. I mean, he's, no I mean, one he, owns him. What was cra- Not, what's no crazy is him. he usurped both Buck Allen and Alex Collins in the same game. In the same game. Yeah. And I think this one, at least this, this hurts me personally because Alex Collins was that guy that in August for me was going to be like, he was my sneaky fifth or sixth round pick. You know, he was going to be my RB2. He's going to be that guy that like, you know, I got my, my, my top line RB in the first round. I was going to wait a couple uh, and then get Alex Collins and be set to go. And that just never quite panned out. Yeah. Uh, okay. Getting away from Baltimore, though. <clears throat> Who would you rather have as we sit here right now, DJ Moore or Devin Funches? <laughs> after yesterday, I mean, after yesterday, obviously, but like, but even just looking back over the last month, but I, I know Funches has disappeared. He's disappeared. Yep. He had he had those two back to back eighteen point games, and then since then, I believe he's had one respectable stat line. Yeah, and the Lions. last the last three he's played the Bucks, Steelers, and Lions, and he hasn't eclipsed more than forty five yards in right. any of those games. And, and my my answer to that would be who has the higher ceiling? And DJ Moore has well, the higher DJ, ceiling. I would say it's DJ Moore. I mean, obviously yesterday certainly goes that way, but just looking at what the Panthers have done offensively recently, right? They seem to be they are of the of the mindset of using Kind of these more dynamic guys. I mean, Christian McCaffrey obviously is the centerpiece there, but we're seeing more Curtis Samuel, seeing DJ Moore, kind of these guys who can do multiple things. And it just makes me feel like Devin Funches. Well, here's the Devin Funches was drafted to sort of be Kelvin Benjamin 2.0 back when they thought that Kelvin Benjamin could be a thing. And now that, you know, they've had they have no need for Kelvin Benjamin. They moved him out. Devin Funches is still Kelvin Benjamin 2.0. But that's no longer a compliment in the context of this offense. And it would be great to be able to figure this out, too, because the schedule is just it's unreal so great. good. It's you've so got, good. So you've got Seattle, who is not Seattle anymore. Then you're at Tampa, at Cleveland, Saints, Falcons. It doesn't get much better I mean, than that. And that was why for weeks I had been advocating, hey, trade for Devin Funches. Go get him because the schedule seemed to work out great. There was that stretch in the middle of the year where it looked like they were using him. It's all gone away now. Yeah, I mean, they're just spreading the ball around too much. I mean, Curtis Samuel just saw a season-high seven targets. He only ran 11 routes last week. I mean, they're just spreading the ball around. We know Christian McCaffrey is going to get his touches. We know Greg Olson is going to see his red zone looks. But outside of that, they're scheming targets to a bunch of different players. And Funches's kind of ceiling has evaporated over the last month. So, I mean, it's a dart throw. Who is it going to be? Is it going to be Curtis this week? Is it going to be Funches this week? Is it going to be more this week? Yeah, it's just... I mean, it's made the Panthers' offense a lot more fun. Right. It's a lot more efficient, and Cam has been a better player for it. I mean, Cam is having one of his best seasons ever. Mm-hmm. Maybe his second best season ever behind the his, 2015. His MVP season. Yeah, exactly, yeah. the 2015 MVP season. So and it's he, great from that sense, but to pick a Panthers pass catcher each week outside of Oh, my goodness Olsen, gracious. A, Say that like 10 times fast. That was Panthers well pass done. Catcher. That was pretty good. You know, it's funny because we, we mentioned all these names, and we haven't really talked about Greg Olson, who stepped in and has, like, since he's come back from injury – has looked like Greg Olson again, you know, which uh, that, that's that's one more guy taking some of those targets. Over. I'll tell you, when I saw Cam go down for a couple of minutes with that injury, my life flashed before my eyes because I have Cam. I have shares of his team as well. And the backup situation in Carolina is not pretty. Not pretty. So glad that he was OK and came back and ended up giving you 20 plus points again. Uh, all right. Last uh, last question that jumped out at me this week. <sighs> Is Josh Adams trustworthy? I mean, we've been trying to find an Eagles running back. I had sort of given up on the Eagles running back situation for the last couple of weeks because they just were rotating so many guys through there. On Sunday, it was Josh Adams who was the guy. Now, obviously, the Eagles got blown out, and so that sort of limited what he could do. Mm-hmm. But does this mean we can we can put aside all things Wendell Smallwood and Corey Clement and just sort of hone in on Josh Adams being that guy down the street? Uh, I pushed those guys aside weeks ago. Uh, there was There was... Too much competition for touches, and the touches that were being uh, debbied out in that backfield were not equaling fantasy production. So there's, heck, Clement and and Smallwood weren't even rostered in a lot of leagues I'm in right now. So uh, do I believe in him as an RB2? No. Do I believe in him as a flex starter, depending on the matchup? I can certainly go there. Uh, But right now, I, I can't believe 
what the Saints defense did to that offense. <laughs> Locked them up. I mean, I loved Wentz. I don't know if there was a fantasy analyst out there who didn't love Wentz just based on the matchup. Golden Tate did nothing. Alshon did nothing. Zach Ertz was awful. Uh, and Josh Adams was the hero from a fantasy perspective in that offensive attack. But I do think they bounce back against the Giants. And this week I would flex Adams. Yeah, I mean, they get the Giants in, in week 12, get the uh, Redskins back in week 13. So the Eagles have a stretch here where they can sustain a lead. The biggest problem is they've dropped three of their last four and they haven't been able to run the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. When you can't, you know, when you're not sustaining leads, you're not going to be able to, you know, run, have as much rush volume as you would you would normally. But I mean, Adams on his small s- sample of carries over the last month, I mean, he leads the Eagles and carries yards, yards after contact, easily leads them in missed tackles forced per carry. He's been fantastic on his little small sample, but again, we just need the Eagles to sustain some leads here. Yeah, I think that's been the biggest problem. This Eagles team, I mean, for a variety of reasons, have it's been has so not, up and down, man. They have not looked like the Eagles from last year. No, nope. and it's it's been a it's been a culmination of a few things. I mean, their defense is significantly worse this year. Their secondary has completely fallen apart thanks to injuries. Their offense isn't as nearly as efficient, even though Wentz has been fantastic this mm-hmm. year, p- despite. The poor game Obviously, against the yeah, Saints. Excluding yesterday, but he's been great. He's been year. fantastic this yeah, season. Yeah. Um, just kind of a weird year for Philly. Super Bowl hangover, anyone? You know, it's just, it's weird. Like, you know, you wonder whether or not last year, and, you know, Philly fans, you might be mad at me. Just if last year was sort of that lightning in a bottle year for this franchise, I mean, they had never won a Super Bowl before. I hear you, but they've, they've had some really weird games this year. They, they they kind of fell apart against the Titans and Vikings back-to-back weeks in week four and five. They were up 17 nothing against the Panthers in week seven True. and then fell apart in the fourth quarter because Cam went nuclear. Mm-hmm. They've been in a lot of close games this year that could look a little bit differently, but obviously week 11 was something different where they just got completely smashed against the Saints. Yeah, well, uh, speaking of Cam and Carson Wentz, uh, likely to be in the Pro Bowl. In fact, that uh, gives me a good chance to remind you the 2019 Pro Bowl vote is here. So uh, you have a chance to vote some of your favorite players in the 2019 Pro Bowl game in Orlando. You can vote today at NFL.com slash Pro Bowl votes. Like I said, I'm sure, uh, you know, Cam... Carson, Drew Brees, uh, a lot of those guys will be getting plenty of votes. And uh, Andrew Luck, how good has he been? He's been great. Goodness been great. gracious. And then, uh, and then in the end, uh, you know, we'll probably see like Josh Allen playing because all the other guys will not show up to the Pro Bowl because, you know, that's just how it works. Uh, all right, so the trade deadline is coming in most leagues very, very soon. We've been talking trades for a little while, uh, both here on this podcast, on NFL Fantasy Live. Anywhere where you can get uh, fine fantasy football information. But uh, this is our last call for the trade market. So we each went through the guy that you should trade for or trade away. And we'll uh, just kind of run them down real quick. I will say this. I'll start. Say trade for Philip Lindsay. And I, I gave a hot take last week uh, on Fantasy Live saying that uh, it would be Royce Freeman who would do big things uh, against the Chargers. That was not the case. It was still a lot of Philip Lindsay. He had a very big game for the Denver Broncos. And, I mean, at this point, there's just no denying that he is the running back of choice there in Denver for the way he's played. And on top of it, the guy's got a really good schedule down the stretch. You look at well, weeks 14, 15, and 16, it's the 49ers, it's the Browns, and it's the Raiders. So uh, that's a guy who's going who's to be kind of locked in, I think, and you know, is, it, is a guy who can give you big production and not necessarily uh, have to ask a huge price in a trade deal. So he's worth grabbing on your roster. The guy to trade away for me, is Adrian Peterson, and we talked about that a little bit earlier because of the injury to Alex Smith that he's done for the year. This offense changes. The offensive line is bad. Uh, there's just a lot of things right now that are worrisome about this Washington team, and uh, it just makes you wonder uh, how much, one, how much does does Peterson have left in the tank, but I, I think that's actually Oddly enough, a lot because of the way he's played so far this season. But with not a lot of pieces around him, the fact that they've got the Jaguars and Titans in weeks 15 and 16, that concerns me. Uh, but after a big game last week, you might be able to get something for him. Uh, you know, maybe even Philip Lindsay, if you can uh, <laughs> if you can swing a deal for it there. So that's, those are my uh, trade for trade away guys. Uh, Fabs, who'd you got? I'm trading for Carson Wentz, and I traded for him in a bunch of leagues, and I get it. He's It was awful. Throw that game away against the Saints. Toss it away. Forget it. Because if you look at the numbers in his previous games, 21 points, 23 points, 18 points, 24 points. He was being back to the guy that we all knew and loved from last season. Before that, he had 21 and 20. He has been a very 
respectable and reliable point contributor for your fantasy team. And the matchups down the stretch, some of them are against teams that he's already had success against. He plays the Giants this week. Earlier in the season, he had 24 against them. Then he's got the Redskins. That defense is not what it once was. Then he's got the Cowboys in week 14. He just put up 21 against uh, my beloved boys. Then he's got the Rams. That could be a high-scoring affair in Los Angeles. And then you've got Houston in week 16. Not a great matchup, but it's a home matchup. So I get it. Heck, he, he was bad. He cost me this week. I heard about it on Twitter. He was my start of the week. <laughs> okay, guys, it was the Saints. It was a bad week. But I say now is the time to buy low on him. As uh, a player who I would trade away, LaShawn McCoy. Coming off a big game against the Jets, who didn't really want to play football or defense, I guess, a couple of weeks ago. But, like, Josh Allen's coming back. And even if he wasn't, defenses are still stacking the box against LaShawn McCoy. He's not the same running back that he's been. And he was, heck, he's been one of the better running backs in fantasy football for the last decade. He's not the same dude. Offensive line is not that great. The quarterback situation is a mess. And when Allen comes back, as as much as I don't know how much defenses are going to respect Matt Barkley <laughs> or Derek Anderson, we know they didn't respect Nathan Peterman, but he is going to see a lot of stacked fronts moving forward. So if you can be a salesman and pitch, hey, just had a big game against the Jets. He's seeing a lot of touches, too, in this offense, and you could package him potentially in a deal. I would go out and do that. And, uh, you know, there's some people out there who like to buy into the big name and that's why I think value still there. You can still get some value for LaShawn McCoy down the stretch. Uh, Graham, your uh, your trade for tradeaways. I'm I'm buying uh I'm buying a Denver Bronco too for for similar reasons. The schedule is so nice down the down the stretch here. I'm gonna go buy uh, Manny Sanders mm-hmm. on a bunch of uh, in a bunch of PPR leagues. And you mentioned it, the the schedule is fantastic. Obviously, Steelers kind of turned back into a pretty tough matchup yeah, it's become, again. It's become difficult now. But then the next four games: Bengals, Niners, Browns, and then Raiders in the fantasy play, uh, fantasy championship at week 16 on Monday night. Big thing with Sanders is uh, without Demarius Thomas in the lineup over the last two weeks, he's kind of been less productive, but his opportunity is to stay, uh, has stayed the same. Sanders' target share is 22% over the last two weeks, was 23% with DT. He's seeing 10% more of the team's air yards too, which is uh, which should pay off down the stretch, again, especially against these teams you can get vertical on against the Bengals and, and Niners and Raiders. So I'm, I'm going to go out and buy Manny Sanders. And my trade-away guy is Joe Mixon right now. The Bengals, are, hmm. Bengals season is just kind of circling the drain. Right. Um, and in the Bengals' four wins this year that Joe Mixon has been a part of, he's seen 23 touches, 122 yards from scrimmage, and scored 19 PPR points per game. And then there are four losses. He's only handled 15 touches per game, 68 yards from scrimmage, and only 13 per, uh, PPR points per contest. How many games do we think the Bengals are going to win down this stretch here? I mean... Hmm. The hand, Not as many as they're going to lose, Graham. Right. <laughs> I mean, it, it, looking down their schedule here, they get Cleveland, Denver, the Chargers, the Raiders in Week 15, and then the Browns again. Um, I know Cleveland's kind of been a chippy team this year. They should have a few more wins than they I mean, all, than, than their total suggests. But I can see I mean, those two a, splitting. I can see them splitting those two games. Yep, split those two games, and then Broncos and Chargers is probably lost. Probably losses there. It's just I just don't see a lot of positive game scripts here for Mix, and the Bengals have dropped for the last five. It's just it's one of those situations. It's the last gasp. We've kind of got some big ceiling games out of Mexican, but this Bengals team is just kind of falling. Apart. I would say would would it change? Would your outlook change if AJ Green is back? I don't know. Man. I don't know. I mean, their their defense is just it's com- bad. It's completely falling apart. It's bad. They they've lost some key players. Um, Dalton has kind of regressed back into the Andy Dalton of last year with the right. two prior seasons too. Not having Eifert, not having AJ Green even at one hundred percent. Even if they get him back in December, it's just it's just a difficult time to really like any Bengal player outside of Tyler Boyd. There it is. All right, so. Uh, look- Hopefully a little bit of help there as you try to swing some last deals to make either make that playoff push or get yourself set up for your run through the postseason. Uh, again, in most standard NFL.com leagues, the trade deadline is Sunday. So, uh, you know, go out and make some deals, make some offers, shoot your shot, as they would say, and see what you can come up with. All right. Time to look at the waiver wire. Another uh, kind of hefty list of waiver wire guys. A few of them we've already talked about. Gus Edwards, Lamar Jackson, Josh Adams, uh, names we've mentioned, Jameis Winston. We sort of know what's going on there. Uh, an interesting one because he will never die. Frank Gore. Yeah. Um, is it is it that 
Is it that we think Frank Gore is going to be big, or are we just over well, I mean, Kenyon Drake experiment? He's he's been better than Drake the last couple. He's of getting games. almost more touches than Drake on a regular basis. And the matchup this week is is going to be pretty pretty favorable for him as well. You know, against the Colts, so I I could see I could see Gore being a flex starter this week. He's coming off a bye, so you would think he's going to be rested and. I don't know if Ryan Tannehill is going to be back this week or not, and he's he's getting closer. I don't to even know turn. what the. I don't think the but, Dolphins know exactly what's going right, on with right. Tannehill. But Gore's. I mean, listen, I get it. He's thirty five years old, but he's he's been decent. You look at the tape. He's he's still running like a man who's about ten years his junior. Do do the do the Dolphins their training staff and their coaching staff talk to one another right? Because this is we went through this with Devontae Parker right, and now we're doing this with Ryan Tannehill like. Do they are they working in the same building? Do they ever run across each other? Maybe send emails. It's it's really weird. Uh, Elijah McGuire, who look, I thought when he came back, you know, I figured okay, they would they would ease him back in. That the first week or so, Isaiah Crowell would be the nope. Uh-uh, immediately he came back in and was the number one guy. So I'm guessing he's the number one guy now. We can just say goodbye. In to terms Isaiah of the Crowell. snaps, no doubt. Yeah, right. uh, just for clarity too. I mean, McGuire led the Jets in snap share uh-huh. in uh-huh. the two games he came back in. Was right behind Crowell in touches. Uh, was third on the team in roots run. I mean, I, I know we've been never Jets pretty much all on this show all year, but. Well, that's because we're smart. I mean, well, the <laughs> for is, the most part, the, the Jets have to have a, a pass catching back who can play in these kind of trailing situations, which we expect New York to and trail a bunch. Now and there's no Bilal Powell. Now there's no Bilal Powell. Exactly. I mean, I kind of like McGuire's that Bilal Powell facsimile. Well, and, you know, here's the thing. I think we liked Elijah McGuire before the season started anyway. He just got hurt and wasn't there for a long stretch. So we sort of forgot about him a little bit. But now that he's back, it looks like he is going to be their featured guy uh, in the backfield. Bruce Ellington is a name that just kind of popped up. Uh, you know, he, he had kind of been languishing, hadn't get, gotten a lot of opportunity. Now, all of a sudden, he's in a situation in Detroit uh, where he's going to see some chances with no more Golden Tate, with Marvin Jones especially hurt and could be out for another week or two. Uh, Bruce Ellington is a name that I think is going to be really popular, especially in PPR leagues. He had, what, uh, I think five catches? More than that, I think, yesterday. Yeah, nine targets, six catches. Yeah. Um, second on the team in targets behind Galladay, who just went absolutely nuclear went on his 14, well, 14 he, targets. He made some plays in that contest, he's man. He's yeah, a total he is, freak. He is a and. Heck, you're gonna. We'll see what the status of Marvin Jones is come uh, come Wednesday, uh, as the Lions play their traditional Thanksgiving Day game. But Galladay, regardless, is a guy you're. You got in your lineup. You, you see, you've seen the potential. You saw the potential last season. You saw it earlier in the season. Uh, he had a little bit of a lag. If you if you were one of those smart fantasy owners who who uh, who got him uh, on the cheap. You could be smiling all the way to the playoffs. So yeah, but uh, Bruce Ellington now he's going to have a bigger a bigger role in this uh-huh. offense. Uh, DJ Moore we talked about Kiki QT is still out there in a lot of leagues. Christian Kirk who had a nice day against the Raiders on Sunday. Uh-huh. Side question: um, You know it was weird. It's kind of a weird game in the sense that you know Christian Kirk had a, a good game. Larry Fitzgerald had the two touchdowns, which made his day look a whole lot better on two catches. On two catches, yeah. Uh, David Johnson had a had a really nice day. He had a long touchdown called back because of a penalty. Uh, kind of near the end of that one. But on the whole, that offense just looked, they looked bad against the Raiders. They couldn't move the football. Josh Rosen was one under siege, and when he wasn't, just, just couldn't it, connect with it guys. It comes down to the offensive line. I mean, Rosen is top uh, tops in the league in terms of uh, pressure rate allowed. The cards have Gotta allowed. Be. The, uh, yeah, they've allowed the highest pressure in the NFL. And I mean, it's just kind of hamstrung this entire offense. They can't get any... When your offensive line is allowing pressure 40% of the time on your dropbacks, right. you, you don't get into a rhythm, right. ever. Which, I mean, I, I, I joked for a while that that was why the Cardinals drafted Josh Rosen, because it would just be like his college experience. all <laughs> He was just he was constantly under siege at UCLA. So I figured that, you know, hey, this wouldn't be anything new. Uh, but it's just it's been it's been painful to watch. I mean, at the very least, DJ over his last three games is averaging four point seven yards per carry, which is a very, They've, very nice. They figured out that part of the offense. So that's great. They figured out how to, how to revive David DJ, Johnson. DJ bike. So, so that's cool. I just don't get how Mike McCoy didn't utilize him like Leftwich has utilized him. Don't worry. It is... Mike McCoy is going to get another job here. <laughs> well, he'll go to Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be a Cleveland thing to do. Probably. You know? Uh, it's Jonu Smith uh, was a guy that, uh, you know, he's had some decent games. I mean, he hasn't had any real blow-up games, but he's starting to get some more looks. Now, I, I think, you know, I think for him to continue to be a thing, 
I think the Titans need Marcus Mariota to be there. I don't know that I trust Blaine Gabbard to get him the football. But if Mariota is back and able to play in Week 12, Johnny Smith kind of has a little bit of at least streaming or, or deep sleeper value this week, I would think. Yeah, I think the the one issue is that you know we need to know whether or not Mariota is going to be in that lineup because it's a Monday night game. Uh, they're playing against the Texans. So, But he has certainly seen an increase in his target share, no doubt about that. Boy, you want to talk about, real quick, a guy who's frustrating. How about Corey Davis? I've given up on Just him. when you think I've given up on Corey that he's going to be a consistent producer for your fantasy team, he goes and lays, lays an absolute egg against the Colts on Sunday. I, I've, I've given up on him. In fact, I just generally want the Titans offense out of my life because they're just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there was a lot of eggs that were laid by the Titans uh, right. in that contest. It's no like doubt about they that. They do a thing where they go big against the Patriots the week before and then you're thinking, oh, this is a huge matchup. It's Cowboys. Whatever. Um, and then they do nothing. So, like, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. And then Davis had the big game against Gilmore, too. And that wow, eye opening. Whoa. The, the Titans have kind of had a similar season to the Eagles. I mean, they've just been all over the place. They also the Dolphins in week one just randomly lost to the Dolphins. Right. But they beat the Patriots. They've beat the Jags. They beat the Eagles when the Eagles were still playing really well early in the season. They lost a really weird game against the Chargers. Uh, it's just I, I can't figure out. You know what this proves? It's something we already know. Football's really hard to just, predict sometimes. Man, just there's just I just just Go away, Titans. Go away. And, and this last name you have on the list is is further proof that football is hard to predict. Marcel sometimes. The Raiders have no wide receivers left. They don't. Um, None. I did see the quote after the game from Derek Carr where he's, they asked him about his, his wide receivers getting hurt, and he said it's like Thanos snapped his fingers and they all just <laughs> That's, um, that's, that's actually that's well kind done. of accurate, actually, actually well done. Uh, because, you know, we'll, we'll see what, you know, what the status is for guys like Jordy Nelson and Martavis Bryant. But they lost Brandon LaFell to uh, what appears Achilles. to be a torn Achilles. Mm-hmm. So he's probably done for the year. So right now, as we sit here, their receivers are Seth Roberts and Marcel Aitman. And Jared Cook is the uh, is the main target for Derek Carr. And yet somehow they won a football game. <laughs> against another NFL that, football team. That shocked me. Like, I really like the Cardinals' defense as a streaming option, and they did not get the job done, and the Raiders won. Didn't happen. So uh, That goes against the Gruden narrative. Don't you, don't you want your team to sort of at least look halfway decent, look like they're trying, and then lose because you've got all these draft picks in the first round? I mean... Oh, don't worry. They play Baltimore-Kansas City and Pittsburgh in their next they, game. They're they, gonna lose. they will lose those <laughs> games. They will lose those games. <laughs> what has happened games. to Baltimore's defense, Graham? Yeah. Earlier in the season, this defense was feared. I streamed them. Just one game. I streamed them, and, oh, awful. Yeah, I mean, I, ha- I, mean, I think everyone kind of had them. I mean, it gets oh. everyone's te- teeing them up. But, no, I mean, they- it's just one bad game. It's one. Well, so. no, I mean, I mean, you know. Coming out of a bye. Big Ben, I mean, you know, and I get it. You know, that narrative is sort of, it's has, sort of died. It's dead. But Big Ben lit them up in Baltimore, you know, a few weeks ago. Um, th- their defense hasn't been that you know, feared unit as it once was earlier in the season. They they have not been good lately at all. Yeah. Uh, so, let's prove, too, defenses from year to year are not necessarily static. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we love the Look Vikings. at the Jaguars. Without the Vikings, without the Jaguars, would be great. Although the Jaguars this week, if they got dropped in your league. Bills. Oh, yeah, go get them. Bills. Josh Allen may be back, too. So this is why you should never draft a quarterback before one of your last two picks because streaming defenses typically isn't going to work better for you. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, all right, so uh, as always, it's a Monday. So, uh, Murph, I'm guessing we have some Monday moaning tweets from folks out there. Yeah, we do. Thanks to everyone who uh, tweeted in after, uh, Marcus, you gave your uh, flexing of Dion Lewis over Kenny Galladay. Yeah, really, uh, man. So uh, I'll start with the first one here. Rich Tibbetts wrote two words, Carson Wentz. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's for a lot of people. I'll I mean, tell you, if you find me a fantasy analyst who didn't like Wentz, please let me know their name. I will follow them on Twitter. Because that is a hell of a call. Yeah, you'd think. Yeah, I mean, look, it's a hell of a call. Yeah. Saints defense. A hell of a call. It's supposed to be a high-scoring game. I mean, it was a high-scoring game. Just one team did all the scoring. Uh, Wentz was not the only quarterback, though, to give people some uh, hashtag Monday morning tweets. Fantasy Spyro, Marcus Mariota, and Ryan Fitzpatrick. I don't think that requires elaboration. I mean, Mariota got hurt, and and Fitzpatrick. But uh, we, we said it on the show last week. Remember we were talking with Cantrell about it? Mm-hmm. That's why I don't like I didn't like Fitzpatrick because he's always a couple of turnovers away from being yanked, yeah, yeah, and then exactly. that's what happened. So, uh, Philip Caldwell wrote, "I flexed Alvin Cook over T.Y. Hilton." Hashtag oh, yeah, 
I mean, here's the thing. I thought, I mean, I, I was so overdue for this game, by the way. I true. Mean, I just, you know, here's the thing. I didn't think Dalvin Cook would necessarily have a blow up game because the yeah, Bears defense is, but yeah, I yeah. didn't expect he would get you negative one. That was bad. I didn't think that was going to happen. That was bad. There was a lot of excitement. Although, so this week coming up, I think they have Green Bay. Um, they so do. Packers, Vikings on Sunday he should, night. He should bounce Sunday back. night game. He should bounce back. Uh, Kenneth Fry wrote, I started Eric Ebron over Vance McDonald. Hashtag Monday morning. Okay, that's on you. Eric Ebron has been playing like, what, 30% of the team snaps with over the last couple weeks with Jack Doyle. You back. know what they see? That was, you that know was, what they see, Graham? They down. see the three touchdowns that was, that was from a week ago. That was the easiest thing to spot from a mile away is if you were following Eric Ebron's usage at all, you knew this was possible that he The one time that he touched the ball in that game was it. to throw it. And he overthrew, uh, overthrew Andrew Luck. On the uh, the excited, Philly special, non valid. Andrew Luck made a gallant effort to catch that football, though. He he's I mean he was like Which, he was kind of like you know laying out. He, I, he tried like heck to catch it. If I'm Frank Reich, afterwards I'm like, hey Andrew, appreciate the effort, bro. How about you not dive anymore? Right. Let's not let's or, not let's not potentially land on that shoulder. If huh? you're gonna about, have a guy throw him the football, be a little more accurate, please. So there you go. Uh, we could end with this one. I think it's very funny. So uh, it's more of a visual thing. So head over to at Marcus G to see it. But uh, at Aaron Goody wrote my face when I left DJ Moore and Trey Con Smith on my bench. Hashtag Monday morning. It's the picture of Joe Flacco with his, <laughs> his head in his hand, sitting Just on kind his of eyes. eyes. <laughs> Which but, made its way around the internet. But yeah. I mean, but to his defense, there's nothing you can do about Trey Con was coming off a stinker. I love the matchup against the Eagles, but he was coming off a stinker. And DJ Moore had, what, 12 combined points in his previous two weeks? Yeah, I mean... That's going to be the frustrating thing with those car- with those Carolina wide receivers, yep. is that it's going to be hard to predict who's going to see the most targets and, and produce based on those targets every single week because Cam's spreading it around. There you go. So, uh, hopefully you guys all feel better again. My hashtag Monday Moaner. It's like your own little fantasy football support group. So, uh, hey, thanks as always for listening. And always remember that a turkey can jump higher than a building because buildings can't jump. We'll see you on Wednesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.